Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from our website, BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, I get an update on the real estate market with Cressy's Jason Turcott, BIV Today regular. He joins me with some insight into what's going on in Metro Vancouver. We're accepting nominations for a number of awards here at BIV. These include our BC CEO Awards, Influential Women in Business, and our signature 40 Under 40 Awards program. You can also nominate Chief Technology and Innovation Officers for our inaugural BC CTO Awards. Applications are now open. You can visit BIV.com slash events for details. Metro Vancouver home sales last month hit their lowest level since 2000, and May is typically one of the busiest, if not the busiest, month for real estate activity. Jason Turcott joins me now with some insight into what's happening in the market. He is the Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group and, of course, a BIV Today regular. Jason, good to have you back. Happy to be back. What is your read of what's happening in the market right now? Well, the the read is pretty simple, and that's um, you know from a from a broad based perspective, not a whole heck of a lot. There's been uh, you know obviously in terms of um, the number of sales happening right across the board, it's uh, it's pulled way off. Um, even some of the you know ten year average numbers uh, we're seeing uh, the recent months have been have been a lot slower, but. Uh, interesting to see kind of what's happening with a little bit of a closer lens in certain uh, seg- uh, uh, sub-markets because uh, there is some fairly drastic differences when you go from one neighborhood to the next. Fair enough. Let's explore that a little bit. What communities stand out to you? Well, I think, you know, what we're seeing is, is you know, it's not it's not surprising. It's been a continued, you know, tough go on the high-end markets. And that's now extended into some of the high-end multifamily markets. Uh, for a while, what we saw was a slowdown going back to the, I guess, really the introduction of the initial foreign buyers tax, and then certainly the subsequent addition to it. Um, we saw West Vancouver, West Side, uh, single family markets uh, react um, sort of the strongest and, 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 and first, first off. And, uh, you know, what we've seen in the last uh, while and certainly through this spring market is a continued slowdown in the, on the condo side. So projects downtown that have come to market, uh, or have been on the market, even even the Canby Corridor and anything west of there, um, really slow. Uh, but we're seeing, you know, kind of increased activity uh, uh, in some uh, uh, neighborhoods like West Coquitlam, even East Vancouver is, you know, you know, showing some signs that there's there's activity there. Um, and what what that really is an indication is we're we're talking about local people buying. Um, so there's been a little bit of a flurry of activity in the single family market in East Van at price points under two million, just sort of two million being the sort of the high end of that uh, activity. And a lot of wood frame in in West Coquitlam and 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 places like that. Uh, that's where we're seeing activity right now. Is part of that because if you were to look at the lower end, so for maybe more affordable smaller condos. That's really the only product some people can afford to buy at this point. So there's still activity around that price point. Yeah, I think there's there's a there's a there's a reason for the particularly the wood frame stuff. So we're seeing some continued activity in in wood frame condo and um, and also in the townhome markets. And so there's a, both a demand and a supply side reason for that. On the on the so, or, sorry on the demand side, it is 
for affordability, right? So those tend to be lower price point homes. And we're seeing that activity, like I said, in West Coquitlam and out towards the Valley, Surrey and Langley. Um, and then on the supply side, it, when we deal in wood frame, um, we, are, we are dealing with shorter timelines. We're typically dealing with smaller projects. So, um, you know, often those don't have quite the same pre-sale threshold to meet, if at all. And you also get a, a quicker response from the marketplace. So if, if trades are feeling a slowdown because projects are being pulled back, particularly larger projects, pricing on wood frame on the cost side tends to adjust more quickly. And therefore, um, you know, in our pro formas, we're able to make some adjustments to try and uh, scale back on costs and, and bring forward a product at a more affordable price point, which is what the market right now is looking for. To what extent are developers pulling projects back or putting the brakes on projects? Um, it, it's significant. I, uh, I had a conversation with a fellow from MLA Intelligence, who's a company, MLA uh, company that we work very closely with, and they've estimated recently as many as 6,000 units that they had initially thought would come to market by this time uh, of the year based on their projections on new launches, and that's primarily in the high-rise concrete form, have been held back. So that's 6,000 units that in a quote-unquote more normal market um, from what we've seen in the last 10 years anyways would have come to the market that haven't. And so the impacts of that are, are you know, are significant in that you know a large a large a large part of the, the inventory that gets absorbed in those initial launches those initial releases of of high rise is investors and you know everybody thinks of that as kind of being a negative but there's a flip side to that in that if those projects don't get to the market and they aren't bought up by investors meaning they don't meet pre-sale thresholds uh, to allow a project to move forward that's a whole bunch of strata condominium apartments that don't get built or that at least get delayed. And what people forget is those investors that buy those strata units, um, they've been supplying the rental market. So we call that the secondary rental market. And, and what that means is it's not purpose-built rental, but it's still units that are being bought for investment purposes, which are being used to meet some of the rental demand. Now, so it's this really fine balance of, you know, the measures that were put into place by the government were meant to cool the market, but what it's actually doing is turning off the supply of the secondary rental market. So looking forward a few years, the concern that I think we have as an industry or that, you know, that I always have is what is the implication on removing that secondary supply from the rental market on the rental housing market, which is already, as we know, super tight. Uh, It's tough to find a place to live. And I think that the unintended consequence here might be that it actually gets harder. Hmm. Have we seen these investors who would be, in theory, supplying the secondary rental housing market, have they been dissuaded from investing in the local market? Is that the reason? Are costs higher now and so they can't you know, make their own margins in terms of investments? What are some of the, the reasons behind this? Well, I think one of the, 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 the most obvious ones is the removal of, of foreign investment. So that certainly was, uh, in part, um, you know, fueling that. And that's not necessarily directly. We have to keep that in mind. So what was indirectly happening uh, to a larger degree is a lot, of the, a lot of the foreign capital that was coming was at the very ultra high end. So that did, and, and everybody likes to think, although the foreign money is always all coming from China, which was certainly true. There was some investment coming from China, but it's not, it's not just China. We're talking about foreign capital from all over the world, Europe, the United States, China, um, uh, South America. These are 
high net worth individuals that were, were, were coming here and buying homes for, you know, whether it just be investment as a, as a place to come and visit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what that did is it was, it was bringing a whole bunch of capital into our marketplace and the people selling those homes were using the, the equity or the, 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 the money that was made in those transactions to help children buy, to buy investment properties, to uh, to downsize, and so um, the removal of the foreign capital, both directly into investment condos and indirectly, um, has has caused that to slow down a lot. Uh, and also, I think what we've done with all the introduction of all these measures is we've created a whole bunch of uncertainty, both in terms of where the market is, in terms of pricing, but also on what your rights as a property owner are. You know, we've had so much change and so many property ownership rights removed that it is that it's just it is it is really brought about a great amount of uncertainty. And that just leads to, uh, you know, a wait and see approach. Nobody wants to. To, to buy a, uh, an investment unit only to find out that there's another tax or that there's another restriction on what they can or can't do with that property. That's a good point. A lot of these measures were the first time we've seen something like a, an empty homes tax or a foreign buyers tax in our market. So I guess it's fair then to say there's maybe concern that something new we haven't yet seen could be then imposed on property owners. Well, yeah. And so, so as this marketplace has been cooling right off and we're watching condo project after condo project get put on the back burner, we are still watching, you know, every level of government impose new restrictions and, and greater and, um, uh, more policy, more increases in, in, in development fees. Like it continues to pile up. All the while we're watching, uh, viability of projects, uh, erode before our eyes. Um, and so, you know, we've 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 seen examples, and and you know, it's 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 no secret that we've been a part of of government policy where they've come into stratified buildings and said, well, now this must remain rental for the life of the building, effectively removing property ownership rights. And so, you know, that's really no different than turning around to an individual strata lot owner who has them rented out and now saying, well, now you have to it now has to remain. Or rental. So there's these kinds of movements happening at the various levels of governments, decisions being made that are just scaring people, frankly, because they're just stripping away property rights. They're stripping away, I think, some of the foundation of what we believed in as far as a, a stability of a marketplace and what was fair and what what values we had around home ownership. And they're they're really sort of all up in the air right now. And I think, you know, from an investment oriented decision making process. Uh, that's not the time that I think a lot of people are looking to make that investment. They want to see where all this is going to settle uh, and, and, and have some time to understand the implications of all these different uh, taxes and policies that have come in. Would you lump the empty homes taxes, the municipal one as well as the provincial one, into this category? Or has it been at least somewhat effective in, in helping address the rental housing crunch? Well, I, I think, you know, it's uh, that's a double-edged sword for sure. Has it been effective at adding some amount of rental to the pool? Yes. Has it been effective in writing and adding the right kind of rental to the pool? Uh, less so. And what mm -hmm. I mean by the right kind of rental is, as I don't know that there was ever a great demand for, you know, rental in Belcara. You know, I, I don't think that's where the shortage was. The shortage for rental is in the urban areas, in the core areas, and certainly we have seen a limited amount of increase there, but by and large, the units in the urban core areas were, that were vacant were probably trying to be rented or, or, you know, um, or, or there were very few of them to begin with, you know. So 
looking at the numbers, if we've all of a sudden, you know, somebody's had to give away a rental on, uh, in what was essentially a recreational property just to avoid the tax, I'm not sure that that's fulfilling a really great need. Um, so, so it's, it's, there's a double-edged sword there. It's, it's been somewhat effective, I would say, I guess, if I were to summarize that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I read in the Canadian press, they put out a, a notice today saying that the federal liberals program where they're offering to put in five or 10% of a mortgage to help first-time home buyers with the down payment, that's taking effect on Labor Day this year, so not too long before the federal election. What kind of impact do you think a policy like that might have on sort of the, the market dynamics in a market where a lot of people are waiting and seeing and still having issues with affordability? What maybe can we expect from a program like that? I think the implication of that will be fairly fairly limited. It, it just applies to so few transactions, you know, where those price thresholds are set and who would qualify. You know, is it going to be a nice little tool for somebody to use who's right on the cusp and, and uh, is looking to get into a market where the where the pricing all works out? Certainly, is it going to have a, a wide scale impact on on certainly, um, you know, Metro Vancouver or Metro Toronto? Uh, as marketplaces, no, and that's obviously where where the help's most needed, and it, it'll just be really limited in, in in how many folks that that can actually take advantage of that. I think in those markets. What about the idea of a nationwide foreign buyers tax? That's part of the federal NDP's new platform, just released on Friday. What might that? How might that impact the Canadian market? Because we have seen, as a result of certain foreign buyers taxes in areas, that that has pushed potentially foreign investor demand into other market segments, be it other jurisdictions or other kinds of real estate like commercial. Yeah, it. I yeah, can't say that I'd be supportive of that. We, you know, we we we've created entire communities based on foreign investment. We've 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 relied entirely on on foreign investment in, in commercial segments. You know, to, to think that we're going to be able to sustain our economy, which has been built on foreign investment, frankly, from its very core, our entire economy has been built on foreign investment. A change like that, the implication, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, in my mind, it's completely craziness. Um, you look at a place like Whistler, you know, it, yeah, sure, it'd all be great if you own a place in Whistler, but Whistler wouldn't exist, you know, and it, and, and it, it would fail to exist. It would, it would collapse uh, if we were to just simply ban foreign money from going into Whistler, which is, which is why that, you know, the taxes that we've seen come in at the provincial level have not been imposed on a place like Whistler because it would simply collapse. Uh, it's, it's built on that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just a, it's a, it's a crazy concept in my mind and obviously would have devastating effects on our entire economy. Well, for a country that's still trying to attract foreign investment in other areas and other industries, particularly in, in certain businesses, does this send the wrong signal to the world that we're picking and choosing a little bit where we want to receive investment? No, absolutely. I don't you talk about talking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah, we want you to come invest here as your business and grow and create jobs for our economy. But you know, if you have to send somebody here as a manager, he's not allowed to buy a home, or or you're not allowed to own the dirt upon which we want you to invest your money to set up your business. Um, it, it's 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 completely speaking out of both sides of the mouth. And you know, like I said, I mean, to me, it's just totally ludicrous. 
I'm sure on future segments, we will be dissecting some of the federal election goodies that come out. But as we're still waiting on some of them, from a developer's perspective, what would you like to see come out when it comes to addressing some of the serious concerns, both on the housing affordability side, but also the concerns from the industry's point of view? Well, I think I'd like to see, you know, from a... um you know, from a taxation perspective, I think that there's uh, there's some obvious ones, and the GST is, is is an obvious one. And we've touched on this before. I'd love to see GST on rental housing addressed. Um, you know, whether I mean, top of the list would be eliminated altogether um, to help increase the viability of of rental housing. Um, uh, you know, if it's not eliminating it altogether, then looking at those rental rebate thresholds and um, and also on the purchase threshold side. You know. Um, the, the rebate thresholds for GST have not increased in a long, long time and are well uh, overdue to be addressed. Um, I'd also like to see a commitment at all levels of government, and it starts with the federal government, uh, to a reduction in the in the red tape and the bureaucracy and in the timelines that it takes to get uh, housing produced. Uh, we have to stop layering on uh, policy after policy and tax after tax without understanding the implications of them all because it is simply just becoming... Uh, uh, a, a web that is impossible to weave, and uh, and I think what we'll see until that starts to happen is more projects continuing to be put on the back burner, and um, with, uh, you know in a country where we're committed to to growth and and that growth uh, happening almost entirely in our urban centers, we have to continue to build housing. Otherwise, we're gonna have a real big problem. Jason, as always, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure. That's Jason Turcott, Vice President of Development at Cressy Development Group. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also listen to all of our episodes at BIV.com slash audio. For more business news, of course, you can get that at BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>